look at what you're already being asked to do and what people are already always like, oh, Chelsea's the go-to for this thing. And lean into that. Get curious about what could you do with that type of skill set. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey, 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 I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, I'm joined by Tasha Booth, founder of The Launch Guild, to break down starting a successful business as a new mom. Tasha has spent years helping women start, grow, and scale profitable businesses that make the life they crave a reality. She believes that life is about passion, fulfillment, and joy, and that we shouldn't wait until we're 65 to experience it. Amen to that. Now, before we get started, a quick reminder that these episodes are recorded live on YouTube, so if you want to have your questions answered on the show, be sure to head to youtube.com forward slash smartmoneymamas and click that subscribe button. And if you're wondering what kind of business or side hustle to start, be sure to download your free Design Your Passion Project workbook in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 117. Are you ready to dig into what you need to know about online business? Let's get started. Tasha, it is so good to see you. Hello. I went to the wrong link. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> oh, we're so excited to have you. Can you introduce yourself to everyone watching? Thanks so much for having me. So as you've already explained, I am the CEO and founder of the Launch Guild. We do full service launch support. I now have a team of 25 which is absolutely insane. Yeah, I am a stepmom to Grace and Meredith. They are now 12 and 14 years old. I have a high schooler this coming year. It's just crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. crazy. Yeah. I'm an Air Force wife. My husband's in the Air Force. He has been for 21 years now, 22 years now, and he gets to retire in two years. So I'm super excited to be here. I also coach and mentor virtual assistants, online business managers, project managers, and I just do a lot of stuff and I love all of it. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. God bless you with a 12 and 14 year old girl. That is just a lot of attitude. (laughs) You know what I said to my husband when we first, well, when we first got married and even before that, when, uh, when I was first in the girl's life, like seven years ago, I was like, I know that there's going to come a point. It's probably going to be Meredith because she's the one with a little attitude that she's going to slam the door. And I was like, and I'm just letting you know that the door will come off of the hinges and she won't have a door anymore when that happens. <laughs> and thankfully that has not happened yet. So doors are all still in their hinges. <laughs> fingers crossed. Know, fingers crossed. <laughs> Well, we have some amazing women here watching who've been introducing themselves in the comments, some that aren't sure what kind of business they want to start, some that have had a business for a couple of years. We've got everything from bookkeepers to virtual assistants, a hanging out online business manager as well. Let's talk about the Launch Guild in your business and how you got started. When did this all start for you? I started going on five years at this point. It was late 2016 and it really happened by accident. I had a full-time job as the director of two YMCAs in, in Tucson, Arizona, where we were stationed at the time. And I actually was one of those people who loved my job. So I don't have the story of like my boss, he was amazing. Like I didn't hate anybody. I love my coworkers. I didn't love the paycheck of a nonprofit. <laughs> and, oh no. Yeah, no. <laughs> and there was literally no way other than like being an executive director for the Y that I was ever going to make more money. It really became up to me to like find a way to pay off credit card debt, student loans, and to be able to travel and do things as a family, which we really enjoy doing. So I started as a VA, just doing it part-time, uh, 
evenings, weekends, that kind of thing. And it quickly grew to what it is now. Um, and I didn't go from there to what it is now overnight, but we grew over time uh, to the point of where we're going to be a million dollar business this year. And that's, that's pretty, thank you. <laughs> that is so exciting. I know. I know oh, where did my kids do with my little, oh, here we go, ready? Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> They always come in here and steal it because they like to press the button. Oh, it's so much fun. I would steal it too. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. But seven figures. Seven figures. Yeah. So I think it was like five months in. So right after I got married, my husband deployed for four months, which was totally fun. (laughs) And so I remember that like I FaceTimed him one day and I was like, so I think I want to quit my job and just do this full time. And he was like, as long as you keep paying your part of the bills, like go for it. You know, he's been really supportive all the time, which has been really helpful to it. I decided to go in full time and that's, that's what I've been doing ever since. So you started as a virtual assistant. What type of work did you do as a virtual assistant? Cause I know that can mean a wide range of things. I started offering everything in the kitchen sink and quickly realized that that was not going to work <laughs> long term, <Yeah. laughs> as many VAs realized pretty early on. And then I started, I really enjoyed tech. I was kind of a go-to tech VA. I was really lucky and fortunate to get on some larger teams pretty quickly. And I saw that like tech and just supporting people in their launches was what I loved doing, which is why I kind of started building my agency and my team around launch support. We continued doing VA and ongoing OBM work for a while. And then middle of last year, almost a year ago to the day, we were just like, you know what? What do we actually really, really enjoy doing? And what are we like really amazing at? launches. Like, let's just get rid of everything else. So that's what we did. (laughs) And I think that that happens a lot with any kind of service-based business, right? Where you have to pare down, you got to figure out what you're good at before you can pick your specialty. But I know that some people listening, the idea of a VA is still relatively new. I think we all kind of hear like, why don't you be a VA? But we don't know what that means. And so can you talk to us about a few, you do tech, but what are some other things that VAs often do? When I coach a lot of, I, cause I do coach a lot of new VAs, like I always suggest like start with what you know. And I think a lot of VAs think that they have to have like years of executive assistant support kind of knowledge under their belts. And that's not the case. Like we almost all of us have like email addresses, right? We're almost all on social media. Like those are skills that not everybody has and not any, everybody can do well. So I give the example of like, if you're great, if you always hit inbox zero and you are great at organizing inboxes, that's a skill that people will pay you for. But you can start with social media support and just being like doing scheduling for people of their social media. You can start with like inbox management or customer service support. All of those are skills that you can take from what you're probably already doing in the online space, even if you've never been paid for it before, and use it to make more income. So you also mentor, you separate out two different things, which is online business managers and project managers. Can you give us a little bit in detail about what each of those things are? Online business managers are kind of a, I don't want to say a step up. It's just a different skill set kind of. When when you think in terms of a regular, like a brick and mortar business, usually there's some sort of business manager that is there to support in kind of a strategic role that is there to also support team members. So they're doing less implementation of tasks and more implementation of processes, overall management and support kind of thing. So that's what an OBM or like an online business manager is in the online space. 
And then a project manager is somebody who sometimes comes in short term. We also call these people like launch managers for what we do, and they come in for a specific project. So that could be a launch of a new service or product for a client, but it could also be a launch of a website. There are a lot of people who work with website designers and and are project managers for those things too. So it's just about skill set and what you enjoy doing. And I've seen a lot of people who start off as general VAs, and then they find that their skill set is better suited for being an OBM or being a project manager or a launch manager. A lot of moms are interested in having their own business for flexibility that it gives them, but they get stuck on the type of business to start. So what should they consider when they're deciding how to get started? I would start with what do you enjoy doing? I'm not one. My mom, every time I pick up a new hobby, she's always like, oh, you could turn that into a business. (laughs) So we're not talking about that because I would have 17 businesses if I listened to my mom all the time. But what I am talking about is looking at what do you enjoy doing and what are some things that like you're already good at? Think about in terms of, and I give this example a lot, like, are you the person that everybody's like, oh, she'll be the party planner to put the party together, right? Because you're great at keeping lists and knowing what vendors need to be. You know, or are you the person who like plans other specific things for your family and friends and that sort of thing? Look at what you're already being asked to do and what people are already always like, oh, Chelsea's the go-to for this thing. And lean into that. Get curious about like what could you do with with that type of skill set. Then you get to just kind of play in the sandbox and say, make a list of like, okay, what could this turn into? What could this be? And then we kind of just like move in one direction at a time and try things until we figure out which one works for us. (laughs) That test and scale is such an important thing, right? To try something and then see if it works and either take it to the next level or pivot and do something else. I think we get stuck sometimes thinking we have to have the final answer of what our business is going to look like. And just like you said, the launch guild didn't look like this when you started it. (laughs) And Smart Money Mamas didn't look like this when I started it, right? It's an evolution. Totally. It's definitely an evolution. Yeah. One of the things that we hear a lot is we get moms who are pregnant or they're on maternity leave with their first kid and they realize they don't want to go back to their traditional nine to five. And so now they have this ticking timer, right? Like either until their baby is born, until the maternity leave ends. So they want to start a business like, so let's say six months, they want to start a business in the next six months to at least be earning something to replace some of their income. What is the first thing they should do? First thing is pick a lane, you know, so kind of pick what what that first thing is going to be. And the second thing is get grassroots about it. So talk to people and tell them about your business. I know of so many people who have waited so long to even announce that they have a business because we're afraid of the judgment. We're afraid of like, oh, well, you, you tried this little business thing before and it didn't work. Get rid of the naysayers and those people who are going to downplay what you're trying to do and lean into your friends and your family who are going to be really excited about what you're going to do, right? And what you're trying to do. So start there and just start really talking to people. Maybe the person that you talk to isn't your ideal client, but maybe they know your ideal client. I know everybody has someone out there who is either starting a business or who has a business and needs support in some capacity or another. So I think you always have opportunity, but a closed mouth doesn't get fed. We really need to open our mouths and just like talk about our businesses. I know for me, my biggest cheerleaders at the beginning were my mom, my husband, my sister-in-law, but also I was in a mom's group of other women who were new moms. And so Smart Money Mamas, that was a perfect place for them. Who were your biggest cheerleaders as you started this business? 
Definitely my husband. So my husband's always been my biggest cheerleader and my mom too. At first she was like, what, what are you doing? Like, what is this thing? You can't make real money on the internet. And now I've proven her wrong. So, <laughs> but the other thing is like getting into community. So I love that you mentioned like your mom's group. That was a community for you that you could talk to them about like what you were doing and, you know, how you were going about it. I believe fully in community. I've always been in either some peer led community, like a Facebook group or some paid coaching community from month three on in my business. And I really think that especially if it's something like online or something that maybe you don't see modeled in like your, your own family or your current friend group that you need to see what success can look like. So it's so important to get into community. We're starting to get the word out. And so the next question that comes up all the time is pricing. How do I decide how much to charge for my services? So where do we start with that? I believe that pricing is first from a place of your gut, right? Because if you just kind of look at, especially in the virtual assistant space, but any online space, especially, there are people charging $3, there are people charging $300 for roughly the same thing. And there's everything in between. So really think in terms of what is your gut say? Like when you look at that price, yeah, it could be a little scary to decide what your pricing is or to say kind of those larger numbers. But at the same time, if you check in with your gut and what you know that you're going to need in order to make this kind of profitable, just start there. So the other thing is just like our business is not our final iteration, what we start with. Also, when we, when we're starting, our pricing is not our final iteration. So I like to go on a pricing model of you sell it to three people. Once you get three yeses, it's time to increase your price. That could be $5 an hour. Yeah. So that could be, you know, a $5 an hour increase on a price or $3 an hour increase on the price. You sell it to three more, you raise it a little bit more until it's at your price that you're just like, oh, this feels really good, really in line with what I want. That's another question. Hourly versus project-based pricing, right? Should we have flat fees or should we think about hourly, especially as we're getting started? I always suggest starting with hourly. And the reason for that is often if you go straight to project base, you're not going to be able to calculate the number of hours that that thing is going to take you. So we often end up undercutting ourselves in terms of our pricing if we go straight to project base. That's what we want to get to eventually having some sort of retainer or project based model. But we really want to look like be able to look at kind of the data and the averages in terms of how much things have cost us or in terms of time, in terms of resources and everything, and then be able to price that as a package from there. We definitely saw that happen a lot, I think, with Pinterest VAs of charging by image or by (laughs) process. And then when you got them to do the math out, they were making like $5 an hour, right? And it was like, okay, maybe we go back to hourly for a little bit or charge more. (laughs) Like, But we do think the package seems expensive. And so we kind of talk ourselves out of charging more and then you end up at a lower hourly rate, which isn't helpful. Yeah. And we also like, I love and I hate that word expensive because expensive is relative. You know what I mean? It's so relative. And I have finally gotten to the place where I'm like, I can't judge that person's pocketbook. I used to say $500 to people and it would scare the crap out of me. And now if I said 500, I would be like, you're getting like an hour of my time. (laughs) (laughs) It's barely worth it for me. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah. So think in terms of expensive is going to change for you and also for your ideal client as you grow. Especially because you get better at things, right? They're paying for the expertise and that time. This is another question, which is, what do we need in place? Like some people get stuck in that I need a website and I need a professional email and I need social media accounts before I can even pitch my first client. Like, is that necessary? What do we actually need to pitch your first client? I truly believe in showing up as professionals. And I think that a website and having that professional outside 
will help in supporting your business as it grows. Is it the first thing that you need? Absolutely not. You can work on your website. First of all, you can work on it in a weekend. My Tasha Booth website was literally built in a weekend. It's from a template on Squarespace. Like it's not fancy. (laughs) But second of all, it's something that you can grow into and work as you're getting clients, right? It's not anything that you need to not get clients and wait for. It's really about having a, having your services. So knowing what you offer, being able to get, have a way to get paid for that. So PayPal, Square, Stripe having a contract of some sort so that you and the other person can agree to like the terms of what you're, what you're offering and then having a way to deliver whatever your offer is. I used to have the jankity, jankity system. Like I did not, <laughs> when I started off as a VA, I literally did know that the online, like the e-sign contracts existed. I sent like my first 10 clients. This is so embarrassing. I sent it via a PDF, had them like literally physically sign it and like take a screenshot of it and send it back to me. <laughs> but that works, right? It works. Like it's it fine. totally worked. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, cause I didn't know any better and it's totally okay. Like start with where you're at and what you have. And when you know better, you do better. Right. As my Angelou said, once, you know, like, just like once I knew, Oh, e-contracts are a thing right now. I have everybody signed digitally, but until I knew that that worked totally well. All right, we got to dive into contracts because I feel like this is another place where VAs get stuck, right? Where they go to get paid, they're not getting paid on time, or there's scope creep and they're like, oh no, I didn't create a contract. So what are the basics that should be in any client contract? When we're thinking about contracts, we want to agree to like the timeline, the dollar amount that you're getting paid, what you're getting paid to do. I, of course, am not an attorney, but those are the basic outlines in terms of a contract. I also like to include what's not included in my contract because of what you were just talking about with scope creep. That tends to happen a lot with virtual assistants and people are like, oh, well, I thought you were going to write my all of my email copy for me. No, that's that's a copywriter. I am not a copywriter. <laughs> so I, I like to include like, this includes like general admin, which is defined by what you'll do as general admin. This does not include Facebook ads, copywriting, marketing, whatever you don't want to be a part of that. What I now teach that I've learned the hard way is having an end date. Sometimes you'll have clients that really, really need support, but feel overwhelmed in even knowing what type of support. And so they sign your contract, they pay you. And then 18 years later, (laughs) they come back and they're like, okay, I'm ready to start now. And you're like, I didn't even offer that anymore. So really thinking in terms of a timeline in terms of when we start and when this, you know, when this contract terminates as well. And having them sign something is helpful, but there's also just having it written somewhere, right? Email can be helpful. Just making sure the terms are somewhere that's not just verbal because otherwise you get really stuck in that he said, she said game. But scope creeping brings up another thing, which is time management. And so you're a mom and a military wife in addition to running your own business. So how do you manage your time, especially as you were just starting out? I think it's really, really important. And this is what I teach all of my moms. And I'll give you an example. Um, I work with this lady, Carrie. She's literally one that has taken like every single one of my programs. She's been a one-on-one class. I love her. We'll, you like we'll work love together super forever. fans. Yeah, yeah. I know. She's a super fan. Yeah. We first started working together when her youngest was about one or two years old. And she was working a full-time job as a teacher and building this business. Right? <laughs> and she has two girls. And so I would say to her all the time, you know, you cannot look at anybody else's what's happening in their world. You have to honor what's happening in your world at the moment. 
And what I mean by that is first, I always like to lead with gratitude. I am so grateful for the family that I have, for the opportunity to build this business and everything. And then I lead with grace. Even though I'm grateful, I also know that I can only do what I can do. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to open up my calendar and I'm going to look at what my family is doing and what my friends and I want to do and what work I already have and plug in those holes in terms of what can I actually do in my time. So we really want to do kind of like a time audit in the beginning. And I want you to also think about things like downtime, things like time with family, going to the gym, eating, sleeping, you know, those those things that we sometimes forget about, (laughs) taking a shower, right? And plan for what you can actually do on an ongoing basis. That could be that you look at your calendar and you look at what your kid's schedule is and soccer practice and everything. And you say, I legit only have five hours a week. Awesome. How can you make the most of those five hours to move your business forward instead of, oh, I only have five hours a week. This will never work. No, five hours a week. Eventually, you know, maybe you can hire somebody that can also help you for five hours a week. That slowly builds the momentum into what you want your business to eventually be. Let's actually say we got five hours a week or five to 10 hours a week. What can we do to make that at least bring some money bringing in? Like what's the most important things to be focused on? The most important thing to be focused on is your visibility, especially in the beginning, but always so that we never have kind of that lull in our business when we haven't been talking about your business. What I don't want people to do is think that they have to be set up on every single social media platform and present everywhere all day, every day, right? That is burnt out quickly. You want to pick the place that you're already hanging out. So if you're starting a new business, you probably don't really know like where your clients are hanging out. Your clients are are everywhere. If you want to be on Clubhouse, there's people on Clubhouse. If you want to be on LinkedIn, there's clients that you can find on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to be. But you're just going to pick one place to consistently be present. And what I mean by consistently is 10, 15 minutes a day. If that, just to get some content out, make sure that people know who you are, what you do and who you support. That's the important thing. We're having some visibility. We're finding those clients. And obviously we're doing our client work as much as possible in that five to 10 hours. (laughs) And I got to say, there's probably a part here too about not over-promising with those hours. Cause I think that that's where we can start to weaken our boundaries. And so when we're new And we might not know how long a project's going to take. How do we make sure that we are able to fulfill everything we tell a new client? So it's about communication. I still, to this day, if we're doing hourly something, I say, we estimate that this is going to take four hours. When we get to three hours, we'll let you know if our estimate needs to be extended or whatever. That way you're setting your, you know, you're setting your clients up for the expectation of it could be more than, than four hours. I've seen things and gone into things where I'm like, oh, this will be easy. 17 hours later, (laughs) (laughs) I'm still sitting there, right? Just having the communication up front and setting expectations on both sides up front is going to be helpful. I firmly believe that nine times out of 10, actually 9.9 times out of 10, our clients want to be great clients. They want to be great people. But sometimes we under communicate because like things don't go the way that we thought they would. And then we get embarrassed. And instead of just like owning up to it and admitting it, we ghost them or we don't talk about it or whatever. Communication is, is totally key for that. We had mentioned, obviously, self-care, making time for the gym, making sure that's in our schedule. I've seen in my own life and in people that work with us, it's easy to let those things go, right? Especially when we can see that we could, you know, maybe we could grow faster if I just had this extra hour a day or whatever it is. How do we preserve taking care of ourselves and the life that we want as we grow our business? How do we align those goals? 
I think it goes back to, it's two things. So number one, really defining what our why is, why we're starting this business in the first place from the very beginning. I know that being able to say yes to things was my why from the beginning, right? Because when I had a whole bunch of student loan debt and everything, I couldn't say yes to going on fun vacations. Like we just, we literally just got back from a two week vacation with our girls yesterday, right? And we got to like rent a beach house and everything. I didn't have the money to do that beforehand. When I look at my business, my business is informed or or serves the purpose of my life's purpose. And my life's purpose is being able to spend more time with my husband and my daughters and my dogs, you know, and enjoy things. So that's number one. And number two, realizing that when we say yes to things, we're also saying no to things. Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. I got into this for a while where I was starting to work really early hours and not prioritizing working out. What was I saying no to? I was saying no to like my mental health, my physical health. And that over time makes me less of a successful CEO. That's not a way that like I can live and be sustainably. And that doesn't make me a great mom or a great wife or any of those things as well. So I think really thinking in terms of like, what am I saying no to? Like, I'll, I'll even say that when we have the girls, when I I'm working on something. I like to work on it from start to finish. And when I became a stepmom, I had to reframe that and think in terms of like, what are their needs? And like, what am I saying no to in terms of time with them and getting to see them grow and like experience new opportunities with them when I just like put on my work kind of like goggles and just go for it. So much changes about how we get to work when we become a mom in any way we become a mom. Right. And so like, I was someone who's like very regimented. I like to like have this whole structure and things had to shift because sometimes like my morning routine, the boys wake up at five. It's not yeah. happening. <laughs> it's just not going <laughs> to happen. And so things have to shift so much. And I think that being flexible and figuring out what will continue to work for you through these seasons is important. Mamas, in just a moment, we're going to open up for questions specifically for Tasha. So start dropping them in the comments. But Tasha, I wanted to ask you one more question, which is, can you give some tips on thinking about running a service-based business like a VA or business manager business versus starting your own platform and selling online courses or doing affiliate income or something like that? How do we decide which of those makes sense for us? I think it's it can be six of one, half dozen of another in terms of, I know that sometimes people are like, well, if I put a product out there, like if I build it, they will come. <laughs> the reality is that's not how that works. <laughs> it's still a lot of time with marketing, with messaging, with, with gaining an audience and a community. You can either spend your time on that, which is totally fine, or you can spend your time gaining notoriety in terms of the clients that you serve and support and getting referrals and everything. So it's really about, how you enjoy showing up. I know that for me and for the women that I coach, most of us are people pleasers. We're people who really enjoy supporting and serving others. And that's why we decided on starting and leading with a service-based business. If that's not you, that's a thousand percent okay. And that may be where you want to go more in terms of the digital products and like courses and, and coaching and stuff. That's actually one of the first questions we have in the comments here is from Kiera who says, how do we choose the right online coaching program to support us? I always took it from a place of what do I need in this moment and like three to 12 months from now. The first coaching program that I was in, I was way undercharging. Like I was super undercharging and I was like, I need a coaching program that's going to help me mindset wise and also just like 
actual wise in terms of figuring out what to charge. You know, I got into a three month coaching program specifically around that. And then when I decided to hire my first team member, I was like, I need a coaching program to figure out, you know, teams and team structure and everything. So looking at where you're at now and what that coach can provide you right now and know that that may not be your coach for the end of forever, that different coaches will give you different support in different ways. Deanna wants to know what's a good estimate to set aside for taxes when you're getting started. Number one, talk to your accountant. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, I started off with, I think 25% was what I started off with. We loosely at the Launch Guild uh, follow the the, the project. What is it? Profit first. Profit first. I was like, project first? That's not right. Profit first. Yeah. We loosely follow profit first. But as we've grown a team, we have higher expenses. And so now we only save about 15% for taxes. And that's more than enough for our taxes because of our expenses. But I would start with 25% just to be sure. Yeah. When you have minimal expenses, I think 25% is a good place to start because you are going to be paying taxes on your profit, guys, not on your revenue, which is yeah, one of the exactly. of being a business owner, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we have a really personal question here that got submitted on Instagram ahead of time from Cleopatra. And she says, I'm a new mom raising a 15-month-old without the help of her dad. I lost my job last year as a result of the pandemic, have been wanting to start my own business since then, but most days I feel like I'm hitting my head against a wall. Right now, I know exactly how old mother Hubbard felt looking at those empty cupboards. Oh, so this is no longer a want or desire, but a need. I feel it in my soul that this is the season for a fresh start, but I honestly don't know where to start. How do you keep motivated trying to start a business with no funds and caring for a toddler? Number one, I so appreciate your question. Thank you so much for asking it. And I know that there are so many women in this situation, specifically because we're coming off the pandemic where so many women, primarily women, were the ones who had to come home and stay home and leave their jobs, right? For one reason or another. I totally sympathize and empathize with that. My first thing is there is no shame in finding all and any of the resources that your community can provide for you, whether that's WIC or something like that, I want you to go out and find what resources you can, at least for the short term, because what I don't want you to do is build a business from a place of scarcity. Because when we do that, we end up saying yes to people and clients and things that we should have said no to. And that's a worse place to be in, in terms of wanting to burn your business down because you hate it. I truly believe that we should build businesses that we love. For that reason, I want you to find as much support as you can. The other thing, and I read your question earlier on Facebook or Instagram earlier today. The other thing that I was thinking about is going back to that need for community. You cannot do this on your own, and I don't want you to try doing this on your own. So dig into community, whether it's a faith-based organization that you go to, a church, a synagogue, whatever it is, dig into that community, dig into a mom's community of some sort, find another single single mom or single parent that you can kind of team up with, and maybe four hours once a week, they take the kids, and four hours once a week, you flip-flop and you take the kids, right? Something like that. So be creative, think outside of the box. And be okay with maybe even having a part-time job for sustainability for a while while your business is building. Because once again, we want to go back to making sure that you feel comfortable in like your four walls, those sorts of things, and then be be able to build a business of your dreams rather than a business out of scarcity. That's a great place to start. And I do think, especially new business owners do that a lot, right? Where we take on clients that we don't ideally want to work with, or and then we feel stuck because we can't. And we don't have the time to build the business that we want because we're stuck with these clients that we don't want. Right? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. <a> <laughs> That's <a blind. laughs> okay. 
Next question I've got for you is about being willing to accept money. So this is a mindset problem that we see a lot in our community of who am I to ask people to pay me for my skills, right? And so when you've never done any kind of sales before, owned your own business, how do you put yourself out there and charge a reasonable price for your services? I think it's a matter of looking around and knowing that like everything that we do in the, in the world really costs money and we have no problem like paying our grocer right? <laughs> or our babysitter or like our what whatever, whoever else, you know, is providing services and things for us. So knowing that like we too need money in order to be able to pay all those other people is totally okay. I think also looking at not just a skill set that we have and I see a lot of women quote it as, oh, this is easy, so I can't charge for it, right? Well, it's easy for you, which is why people want to pay you money for the service. For example, I have this client that I had for about, I guess she coached with me for a year, and she is phenomenal with calendars and calendar management, and she's amazing at it. And she has a master's degree in like operational management, right? When she first came to me, she was charging some, I think it was like $100 a month for, for calendar management. And I was like, you have a master's degree. You've spent all this time learning this skill, which is why it's easy for you. You need to charge accordingly. Really doing it, I like to say like doing it scared and really practicing. It can be about practicing saying those bigger numbers. I know that the first time I quoted somebody $1,000, first of all, I did it completely wrong. And I said, that'll be $1,000. I'm so sorry if that's too much. Oh no, I I totally did that. (laughs) Then what I did was like, that's never going to happen again. So I literally went in the mirror and I kept saying, that'll be $1,000 until it was like, oh, the sky is blue. You know, like this table is green. I just had to get used to saying it. And I think we just have to get used to it. And I do think we've built this narrative as a society around hard work and value that if something feels easy for us, then it's not worth money instead of what you're saying, which is that's a skill that you have developed and put so much time into like charge for your superpowers. Absolutely. What if you're a person who has kind of those basic skills, right? You're pretty good at inbox management or calendar, which some people would call the lower level type of VA work, which is, I I hate phrasing it that way, but but that way, if you want to start leveling up and do higher level things like launches, like business management, like tech, where do you start learning those skills? I think that a great place to actually first start is with your current clients, right? If your current clients are already doing some of these things, talk to them. They may have opportunities for you to do more. I know that I got my first bigger retainer client basically having that conversation and saying like, okay, here's where we kind of started. And here's the things that you're asking me to do. I'm super excited about them and I'd love to, and this is how much it's going to be. She understood that I was kind of newer to it, but then also there's programs like my program for launch managers um, is one of the examples. Like I have a certification now for those who already have experiences, VAs, OBMs, and project managers that are like, you know what? I'm doing a lot of launches and I want to get better at it. So let me become a launch manager. Look around at the other opportunities to just kind of learn and to dig into experiencing those things that you want to try as well. That's fantastic. So my podcast manager, Deanna, did our podcast stuff for a while. And then she actually came to me and was like, do you have any interest in doing more with YouTube? Like, I'd really like to learn about YouTube. Now she's also our YouTube manager and we've kind of worked together to get our channel launched and things like that. And so really approaching the people you're already working with who already trust you to kind of take into the next step, especially if it's related to what you're already doing is just fantastic. I love that advice. Tasha, you chose to go the agency route with your business ultimately, right? You have 25 people working for you now. How did you make that decision? And if you do want to start an agency, how do you get that going? 
I love having an agency. And you also have to know that if you don't enjoy people, you're probably not going to enjoy agency (laughs) (laughs) because people corralment and just like, you know, people planning is what agency, what I do as an agency owner at this point. I really chose agency because I was kind of at that pivot point, that tipping point in terms of I cannot grow anymore. There are only a certain number of hours in a day and a week. And I didn't want to work any more than I was already working. So it became a matter of, okay, I could charge more, but then I'm still going to get to the point of where I'm capped out for time because time is one of those resources that's not a renewable thing. Being able to support our clients in bigger and better ways in terms of having a team of experts in each one of the disciplines like Facebook ads and project management and all and being able to say, oh, if we want to take on more clients, we just hire more people instead of it being about me and it always being relying on if I have the time or if I don't have the time. So how do you find good people to make sure you're starting your agency in a way that your clients are getting the same level of service? It's a matter of taking your time and really figuring out what's really, really important to you. We like to look at in terms of what are the core skills in terms of what they need, but also what are the core values that we need for them to have in how they show up with our clients and for our clients, right? We've really worked on our company core values. We've worked on who this role is for and who it's not for. And that who it's for and who it's not for has been on, you know, based off of experiences, both positive and negative with team members. But it's really also just about taking your time and getting to know that person, not just as a skill set, but also as a person to make sure that they're a right fit totally for our team. Could you give me an example of some of those core values and some of those do wants and don't wants for your specific business? Core values is about communication is one of our core values and doing what we're saying, say we're going to do is our core value. Not micromanaging is a core value, although I think we put it in a different way. (laughs) But like, I'm always like, I don't have time to micromanage anybody. So I need you to be a self-starter and kind of want to do the work because you want to do the work. And also somebody who truly believes in rest and relaxation. We turn our all of our uh, inboxes off every single weekend because one of our core values is rest and relaxation, which is also why we now close our company for two weeks in the middle of the year and two weeks at the end of the year. Like everybody was off. (laughs) Everybody was off. Uh, And all full-time people still got paid for being there, even though they were on vacation. And I think that just looking at, oh, and also like being very like anti-racism is one of our huge core values as well. So I think it's just a matter of looking at what is important to you, what is important to your company and your team as a whole, and moving from that space. I love it. That's awesome. What's something that surprised you about running an agency? Oh, goodness. I will say how expensive it can be. Now, I don't want to scare people in that. We run a very profitable agency at this point. But when I first started, I think I hired my first, second, and third team member when I was still charging $25 an hour and I was paying them $5 or $20 an hour. And so that left me $5. And I was like, the math does not math. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was like, I am doing way too much work to only be making $5 an hour myself. So realizing that I will, as an agency, the Launch Guild will never be the least expensive option for anybody ever again. And that's okay. Our messaging is not around like, you know, we're going to be the least expensive. It's we're going to do an amazing job for you and people will still pay it. And that's awesome. (laughs) That's fantastic. All right, Tasha, what advice do you have for moms who have been watching this and they've gotten lots of great advice, but they want to make sure they go out and get started, take some action? 
That would be my number one advice. Like think about it for a while, but then get started and take action. Too many times we spin around and spiral in the in the making it perfect and really focus on the done is better than perfect. The second thing is what I said before, give yourself grace in terms of where you are now versus where you want your business to be because your infant won't be an infant for forever. No. <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy that time with them as an infant know that you're not going to have as much time or that you're not going to have the same amount of time now in your business as when they become school age or as when they go to middle and element and whatever that other thing is after high elementary. school. <laughs> high school. <laughs> I was like, what are words? <laughs> so yeah, just, just know that this is a season that you're in and it's an amazing and fun season, but it's also a tiring season. So give yourself grace. Absolutely. Tasha, where can people follow up with you, see your work and get your support if they want to hire you? Yes. I have two websites because I have two sides to my business. The launchguild.com is our agency. And then tashabooth.com is my coaching and courses. Fantastic. Tasha, thank you so much for joining us. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Mama, I hope you learned so much from Tasha today. I love the story of her business getting started with her offering this wide range of things, working when she could fit it in in the evenings and in the weekends, and then narrowing down to building her agency. Because every business has its own growth and its own evolution. It's a great reminder that you can start where you are and find your way to your perfect business. You don't need to have it all figured out at the beginning. It's very unlikely that you will. And you don't have to have 40 hours a week to work on your business. Just get started and start laying that foundation. I want to thank Tasha again for coming on the show. For links to her site, the Launch Guild, and social media profiles, head to the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 17. That's also where you can grab your free Design Your Passion Project workbook to start taking a close look at your passions and skills and how you can turn them into a profitable business. You've got this, mama. Keep talking money. I'll see you next time. <laughs>